were looking at organizationally was this very concept of new thought. And how do we consistently bring a new thought to the work that we do as an organization? How do we consistently bring a new thought to the work that we do as individuals and to our personal lives? We call ourselves new thought because central to our spiritual philosophy is the power of our thought to co-create our life experience. And that if we wish to change our lives in any part, we must begin that process of change from the inside out. I wanted to share with you today one of my favorite Bible verses, and I do need to make it clear that while New Thought does use and look at the Bible, it is not the only sacred text that we turn to for wisdom and guidance and inspiration. We do not hold it above other sacred texts. We do not take it literally. New Thought is principle-based, not Bible-based. Yet, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We recognize that there are powerful principles articulated in beautiful and inspiring ways. One such concept we find in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. So reality check. Call to mind your last personal failure or your last personal mistake or accident. Call that to mind. What were you thinking on? What were you thinking on? When that happened, where did your thoughts go? Call to mind your last bit of bad news that you got or that you read. What did your thinking land on? What things did you think on? Call to mind your last relationship challenge. Where did your thoughts land? Were you thinking on what is lovely, what is true, what is kind, what is admirable, what is noble, what is pure, what is a good report? Or were you thinking on something else? Notice how I didn't ask you to raise your hand. For many of us, there is still a tremendous amount of improvement to be better guardians of what goes on in our minds, to more quickly recover from letting our mental energy, our thoughts, land upon those things that do not serve us and do not help us to create the kind of life that we really want to create. Peace Pilgrim said, if you knew how powerful your thoughts are, you would never, that's a strong word, never. If you knew how powerful your thoughts are, you would never think a negative thought. Marianne Williamson said, you must learn a new way to think before you can master a new way to be. Simple, but I like that. You must learn a new way to think 
before you can master a new way to be. Why? Three things. Number one, because thought is formative. Say that with me. Thought is formative. Say it again. Thought is formative. I have a friend who's written a number of books, has appeared on a number of TED Talks, speaks all around the world. I don't know how many radio programs and interviews scientists Greg Braden has participated in. But one of the last things I remember hearing him talk about as a scientist, but as a deeply spiritual, mystical person as well, was how science has gotten quite a bit wrong over the years. And as a scientist, he's well positioned to speak to that. And he said science has basically made two wrong assumptions. They're beginning to clean up those assumptions, but the residual effect of those assumptions is still, is still pretty strong. He said these are the two erroneous assumptions that science has made. Number one, that what appears around us as empty space isn't really empty. Science, for the longest time, looked at it as what appears as empty space is simply empty space. But that's a wrong assumption. It is not empty. It is dynamic. And the other faulty assumption, he says, that science has held on to for a long time is that nothing within us can influence that seemingly empty space. A whole field of quantum science now is challenging that in saying that we absolutely do impact what was thought of as that empty space. What's fascinating is the mystical arm of some of the world's religions and spiritual traditions has always known this, has always known this, but has not put it in the kind of language maybe that we put it in today. I was trying to find who to credit this piece to. I know you've probably heard it before. It's simple, but it's very, very powerful. It speaks about the progression of thought and why thought is so very, very important. But it's been attributed to so many different people that I'm not sure who to give credit to. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Think about that just for a moment. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Progression. And if we trace it back, the starting point is watch your thoughts. Watch your thoughts. We have to first change the way we think before we can master a new way of being. Why? Number two. Because everything is created twice. First in the mind, then in the outer. Everything that you and I bring forth is first thought about. A piece of music. I think about it before it can be made manifest. A beautiful meal, you think about it before it is made manifest. 
a new career. You think about it before it is made manifest. Everything is created twice, first in mind and then in form. And so what that means is that if we don't like the forms that are showing up in our life, in our relationships, in our work, in our world at large, that we must begin to work at the level of thought and ask ourselves, what is it that I must hold or we must hold in consciousness firmly and solidly to manifest something different? <coughs> Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Buddha said all that we are is a result of our thoughts. All that we are is a result of our thoughts. And yet how tempting it is to try to work at the outer edges of our life, to work at the level of effect rather than at the level of cause. Our work is not to work first at the level of cause, but to, first at the level of effect, but to work first at the level of cause, which means we must pay close attention. We must be guardians of what it is that we allow to remain in our thinking. We must first change our thinking before we can master a new way of being, because, number three, we will move in the direction of our predominant thought. We will move in the direction of our predominant thought. We will see in the direction of our predominant thought. Our predominant thought becomes like rose-colored glasses, or foggy glasses, or cracked glasses, or distorted glasses. But our predominant thought will absolutely influence the direction that we move in our lives, and will influence what we see and how we interpret what we see. This is in part why two people can experience or see the same thing, but not see the same thing at all, and not respond to it in the same way. The key is thoughts held in mind, producing the outer after their kind. The scripture verse that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, I think is a powerful reminder that when we are talking about thought in this way, we are talking about thought that is combined with feeling, that is combined with the heart, with the emotion, with that energy as well. And so I was thinking about how do you work at the level of changing your thought? I'm sure you've all been challenged by someone speaking on the topic of the power of thinking to throw out an example such as, right now, I don't want you to think of a pink elephant flying across the sky with purple stripes and green polka dots. Don't think of a pink elephant flying across the sky with purple stripes and pink polka dots. 
In order not to think that, what did you have to do? You have to think of something else. But I wanted to explore it a little bit differently and challenge myself when I'm trying to work at the level of my thinking. What are some of the things that, that I do? And I wish I could say to you that they are completely profound and you will have never heard them before. But I can't say that. But what I can say is that these three things have proven to be very effective for me. Number one, pay attention to your words, the words you speak. Pay attention to the words you speak. Pay attention to the words that you write. I think we're becoming a more um, writing culture as we seem to move away from the telephone for conversations and moving more into texting and email and so forth. But pay attention to the words that you speak, the words that you use, and their overall tone and feel. Because our words are really just solidified thought. Pay attention to your words and involve or ask a friend, a partner, a spouse that you trust, one that you know has your best interest at heart, ask them to reflect back to you the quality, the flavor of the words that you use. Because the words that we consistently use speak about that underlidden, underlidden, underneath, hidden, I think is what I was trying to say, surface of our thinking. I'm sure you've been around people whose language and tone and, and the kinds of words that they use just have a doomsday kind of feel attached to them, have you not? Or others that no matter what they're talking about, there's always that energy of heaviness or that energy of sadness maybe, or an energy of worry and their, their language sounds harsh or negative or depressing. So the first is to pay attention to the words that you use and to stretch yourself a little bit. Ask for a trusted friend or partner to kind of reflect back to you. What is the quality of the words that you use? Because it is going to suggest something about the flavor of your thinking. And the flavor of your thinking is really important. The flavor of your thinking speaks not just to the thought, but also to the feeling. The second is to start doing a quality control check. A quality control check. And it's so easy for us to do this now. We can do it in a fun and playful way. Set an alarm, a timer, to go off every hour that you're awake. And when that timer, that alarm goes off, whether it's on your smartphone or your iPad or your computer or so forth, when that tone goes off, stop and just ask, what was I thinking about? What was I thinking about? What was the flavor of my thinking? What were the thoughts I was thinking? What was I telling myself? Which is another form of our thinking. And start taking note of it. You may be surprised. You may find that there are lots of periods of time 
where you haven't been thinking consciously at all. Or you may find large periods of time, frequent periods of time, where your thoughts were all back to could have, should have, why didn't I, regrets and remorse, or focused on the future with worry and fear. And the third, and I was doing this again yesterday, over this weekend actually, just as an exercise for myself, to practice thinking deliberately. Practice thinking deliberately. And I'm smiling when I say that because when I challenged myself to do this just over this weekend, I found it's kind of difficult sometimes to think deliberately. A lot of times our thinking, so to speak, is in response to something <coughs> external. But to actually sit down and say, I'm going to think deliberately in a constructive way about such and such, and stay with the thinking deliberately, can be challenging. You see, our, our mind, the, the phrase monkey mind is really such a very accurate phrase and it's often used to describe what happens for most people when they begin their meditative practice. The mind, as soon as we close our eyes and try to become more physically still, the mind just jumps around in so many different ways in so many different places. And for many of us, we think that that's just normal. And actually, it is a demonstration of a very untrained mind. You know, in our culture, we value our physical health a lot, and we have lots of people who are committed to a trained body, which is well and good. What we need as much, I'd say even more, is a well-trained mind. Our mind should be a servant to us, not the other way around. And so the practice of deliberately thinking constructively, just for the exercise of doing so, begins to change the way our mind works in routine ways. We've all read or are familiar with some of the science of the brain now and neurological pathways and how we actually with our thinking begin to carve neurological pathways in our brain. And what we've also learned is that when those areas of the brain that are habitually associated with certain ways of thinking and certain emotions are impaired because of disease or injury, that what was once believed that there was no way to reconnect those pathways is now proven to be incorrect. That while we may not be able to reconnect those exact pathways, we can form new pathways. And how do we do that? Through conscious choice, through thinking deliberately, and through doing that consistently. How many of you, I know you have heard these things before, but how many of you find that it can still seem like it takes such a long time to make these changes? In the book, The Quest, which is a great basic unity textbook that Jafola's write, it's been estimated that we have 60,000 separate thoughts each day. Just stop there for a moment. 60,000. No wonder why we're exhausted. 60,000 separate thoughts each day. That's about 50 thoughts a minute. 
How astounding. It shows that we have an incredible ability to process ideas. Yet what's even more astounding, I would say depressing, Yet what's even more astounding is the fact that about 99% of today's thoughts are the same as yesterday's. No wonder it is so difficult for us to change our lives. And yet the truth is, we're really only just a thought away from doing that. We really are, but that thought has to be held consistently. I began by saying that we as leaders of the Association for Global New Thought have been challenging ourselves, what's the new thought that we need to be holding and thinking about? Our work in the world, the place of spiritual practice in the world. What is the new thought that we need to be bringing forward on real global issues, whether it's related to poverty, disease, or the environment, or injustice and violence all around the world? What is the new thought that we must hold there? What I do know is that when we are willing to challenge ourselves with questions such as that, and stay in the difficult place of waiting for a higher answer, a higher thought to emerge, it will eventually force its way into our individual or into our collective consciousness. Why? Because we are made in the image and after the likeness of the divine, it is the divine, it is that one presence, that one power that moves through each and every one of us that has been at the forefront and been the cause of all evolutionary change that has happened on the planet. Why would we think that we're the end of it? We're not. But we have to make space for it, time for openness for that higher evolutionary thought to push its way into our consciousness so we can be in support of that. So as we are working at the level of thought, challenging ourselves to think deliberately, to watch the flavor of our words, to, to, um, to pay attention to where our thinking is throughout the day, we must also be willing, I believe, to sit in the question for ourselves and for our world. What is the new thought that we need to bring to the world? What is the new thought I need to bring to my life? What is the new thought I need to bring to my relationships? Namaste.